Hey bosses, before we get started, I want to tell you about two exciting things. One is the next Nomad Summit Conference has been announced, and this year it's going to be in Cancun, Mexico. You can get more info at nomadsummit.com, and I'll tell you more during the break. Also, if you haven't signed up for travel insurance yet, and you are currently or planning to be a digital nomad, I'm excited to tell you, world's first ever travel insurance by digital nomads for digital nomads has been created by Safety Way. Go to nomadsummit.com slash insurance to check it out and sign up. Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Vítajte v podcaste Cestuj ako pán. Oh, I love that. Hey guys, welcome to episode 217 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. Today's guest is Lydia Makova from languagementoring.com. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Johnny. How did I do with your last name? Um, With lo- one little mistake. Oh no, I was practicing that all day. I'm sorry about it. Makova. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I watched your TED talk this morning. Oh, did you? I was very impressed with it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. So uh, Lydia Mahova Very good. Uh, is from the little village of <laughs> Slovakia. It's not so small. Come on. It's like it's like a proper country, you know? So um, I was really excited. So Lydia actually was a speaker at the 2019 Nomad Summit, and she spoke about starting a business offline in a small market and then transitioning online to a big market. Her talk will be up on YouTube pretty soon uh, in the next few weeks, so you can check it out at nomadsummit.com. And now we are hanging out in Chiang Mai. Yeah, and I'm very happy about that because I I just love Chiang Mai. I didn't know what to expect, but oh my God, I love it so much. I just want to move here. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think a lot of people feel that way. I mean, I'm sure there's a small percentage of people that come here and they're just like, it's not for me. But it seems like the majority of people, once they come here, they just keep coming back. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably, like, the, the place has everything, as, as you like to say, like, there's everything for life, right? But especially the community of people, that's what I love most of all. So, yeah, it's, it's awesome here. Yeah, I think so as well. And you actually remind me of my buddy and own mentor, Anton Crayley, mm-hmm. because he had a very successful online business while living in New York, and he never really thought to just live in Chiang Mai or be a nomad. You know, he would go on trips and go on vacations and things like that. But he would always just go back to New York to work on his business, even though he really didn't need to. Yeah. And you're kind of in a similar situation, right? Exactly. Yeah. Now I'm asking myself, like ever since I came here a month ago, I go like, so once again, why am I in Bratislava? Like I'm I'm usually based there. Well, I I think not anymore. (laughs) I want to start my nomad lifestyle now. But I've spent the last three years there building my business. And it was very important at the beginning because I was starting locally and offline. But now I don't really have a reason to stay. And I think by default, people just stay where they are um, because it's comfortable or I don't know. Uh, But now now that I've made the first step, you know, I want to continue. Yeah, I I really like that. I mean, I think for I think there's a lot of people in Bratislava that wake up every morning asking themselves, why am I here in Bratislava? <laughs> it's not so bad. Like I think it's a, it's a very nice place to live. It's it's similar in size to to Chiang Mai. It's a walkable. Like it's I, I like Bratislava as such. Um, but what I really miss is this community of very open people, people who want to uh, connect and and like talk about business and and like co-working centers full of interesting people. So yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And to be fair, I haven't been to Slovakia yet, but I have 
passed by on a train from Prague on my way to some, I don't remember. Budapest, probably. Budapest. Yeah, it's a typical route. And I looked out the window and I thought, oh, is this Budapest? It's so beautiful. <laughs> and someone was like, no, that is Slovakia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, hmm, we maybe some, one day. Yeah, yeah, we have some nice bridges and a castle in the middle of the city. So it's a, it's a beautiful place to come. Yeah. But what's really cool is I'm sure a lot of people who grew up in Slovakia think, well, this is it. You know, I, I grew up speaking Slovakian. You know, I can maybe sell in the Czech market, but yeah. that's it. This is, you know, this is my, this is my life. Yeah. And there's no way I can, you know, sell internationally. You know, there's no way I can branch out. Or they think, you know, oh, I don't want to sell here because there's not that many people. You know, there's there's not that much money. It's, you know, I want to sell just in the U.S. Right. But you kind of did a very smart hybrid. What, mm. what, how did that come about? Yeah, I was deciding exactly at this dilemma at the beginning. So should I should I just limit myself to Slovakia? Because our language is very different. It's Slovakian, right? And it's very different from English. And like if you write all your content, my, my business is expert business. So it's you sell information. If you write it all and prepare it all in Slovak, it's unusable anywhere else in the world. And it's 5 million people. And as you said, maybe the Czech Republic with another 10 million, but only videos, not, nothing written. They would not read in Slovak. Or should I go? Yeah, should I go big and to the American market? And I made the decision to to start in Slovakia first and then move internationally. I think really this was the best decision for me, because uh, the Slovak market for me, being a Slovak, is so much easier. It's I I know these people so well. I can connect with them. I I can describe their problems exactly, and I can help them find the solution exactly to their problems because I've been through the language education uh, just like them. So that that was a yeah that was a huge benefit. Yeah, and I'm sure they can relate with you too. They just trust you. They can you know ask you questions in their native tongue. It yeah. just makes it so much easier. And what was really cool that you described in your Nomad Summit talk is that how the local media just picked it up and they went wild for it. Because there's probably not that much going on, you know, day to day. So the news outlets are looking for stories. Yeah. And when they find, you know, a young Slovak you know, woman entrepreneur teaching something cool and different, it's exciting for them and they want to represent it. Yeah, exactly. And the and the, the whole trick was just to, to um, present it in a way which is interesting for the media, right? I, I learned that on the go. But so first of all, they got interested in the fact that I speak a lot of languages. But then I, I basically, this is kind of my, my pitch sentence is I teach people languages, but no, sorry, I don't teach people languages. I teach them how they can learn a language by themselves. And I teach people languages even that I don't speak. And this for the media is like, wow, let, tell me more, right? Yeah, because that's interesting because I think a lot of people would think, well, if you don't speak Chinese, how do you help someone learn Chinese? Yeah, well, it's it's all about the system, really. Um, so yeah, I, I can I can totally do that because I mean, if you if you think about it, if you generalize it, what is language learning really about? It's spending enough time doing activities that you enjoy and that are effective, right? Like that's that's all it takes. And if you have a system in that, well, you're definitely going to succeed. So I help people with with these things basically, and and it doesn't matter what language it is because I tell people to use materials which are out there, like. If you look online, so many things are out there for free. So you can just create a system, find something that you enjoy and just spend time with it. That's all. Yeah. And that's actually a really smart market to get into because let's say you were to create, you know, A to Z courses in every language, it would take you forever. Yeah. But if you can just utilize what's out there already, and there's probably really good information out there already, but you're helping people sort through it. You're helping people stick to it. You're helping people actually get the most out of it. Exactly. You know, it'd be the same as... If you were in the fitness industry, instead of building gyms and creating, you know, your own routines, somebody can be a fitness coach or a mentor and just say, look, 
I mean, we're not going to reinvent the, the wheel. There's things that work already. There's already gems. Mm-hmm. Let's just utilize these things and make sure you actually stick, stick on track yeah. and do it correctly. Exactly. And I saw that this was the biggest problem of my competitors, basically. So they try to create materials for specific language combinations. But if you have, let's say, basic German materials for Spanish speakers, they are unusable for French speakers and for English speakers. So you need so many combinations that it's just crazy, right? And I said, well, if they are creating all this content, <clears throat> and a lot of the content is free out there, let me just create a system for the people to use it effectively. And uh, that's actually the key to success in language learning. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Uh, Thanks. And I was actually thinking, so after I listened to your TED Talk, the two big takeaways I got from it is that you need both a system to to make sure it actually works, but also a passion or something to keep you doing it and going. Because you can have the best system in the world, but if you dread doing it, you hate it, you're not excited about it, you just won't follow it. Exactly. But you can also be really excited about something, but not have a proper system, and you're just kind of spinning your wheels. You know, people will spend months or years sometimes, you know, following something they're passionate about, but never getting anywhere because they're just like clicking 80 different YouTube videos and not following one thing. Exactly, yeah. And I, I believe this is the problem. So the fun aspect or the enjoyment aspect is the main reason why so many people have been through years of language education. Like we've all been there, right, in schools and no one really speaks the language. And and I'm, I'm, I'm just surprised that not more people are asking themselves like, why, why is this okay? Why are we spending so many years trying to learn French and Spanish? And it just doesn't work. And I believe it's, it's because it's not nice. It's not enjoyable. You know, we usually have a boring book, right? The teacher prescribes what we're going to do. Uh, it's very heavily grammar based and it's just so boring. So actually the, the secret uh, that I discovered with polyglots, people who speak a lot of languages, is they all enjoy what they do with languages. And and when I once I understood this difference, it's like, okay, how can I help other people who are not so crazy about languages in general? How can I make them passionate about one language? Yeah, so this was really exciting for me because I hadn't actually never heard the term polyglot, or maybe I, it didn't pass him, I never met someone. And it just kind of shows how many different subgroups, subgenres there are around the world. Because yeah. now that I met you and I've been introduced to the world of polyglots, you know, I realized, oh my God, they are everywhere. And they are the same places that digital nomads are because we both like to travel. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm just like, wow, there's a whole nother world out there that I never thought about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's, it's a community just like digital nomads, I would say. Like we have our conferences, you know, we like to hang out together. Uh, we speak in different languages, not all the time, but like it's, it's something we enjoy. Yeah, so it's, a, it's quite a big group of people. So everybody wants to know what is the definition of a polyglot? What is the the minimum requirement to be a to call yourself a polyglot? Yeah, well there is no official definition for that, but what we say usually it's like if you speak five or more languages because in Europe it's not so uncommon to see someone speaking three languages. Like that's what we basically we go through our education speaking two foreign languages. So we would we are not all polyglots when we do that, but when you I, I would say more like the 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 term polyglot is about wanting to learn new languages and and doing it for for passion and not because for example your parents brought you to different countries when you were a kid that's a multilingual person right but a polyglot is someone who's passionate about it and yeah likes to learn new languages yeah that definitely makes sense and they're definitely passionate about it from the ones i've met so far <laughs> they definitely like to nerd out on languages yeah well some more and some less you know um 
some people are really crazy about grammar or pronunciation, but most people just want to communicate with people. It's it's what languages are all about. Come on, you guys invented your own language. <laughs> we, we didn't like it's not a polyglot project or anything. Oh, actually, yeah. I mean, there are languages which were invented uh, later on, and they're like the simplest language, for example, has only one hundred nineteen words, and it's called Tokipona, and it's it's really a nerd language just for like. The fun of it, right? Okay, so <laughs> girls, if you see a guy in a Tinder profile, put down that he speaks Tokipona. Tokipona, you might want to swipe left, unless you're really into nerdy. No, <laughs> come on, it's it's an interesting project. So I guess you're hinting at Esperanto, yes, which is a, a different type of language. So it was it was created in 1887. Okay, before the polyglot community oh, wow. was there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty old one. And the idea behind it is actually quite beautiful. It's like, let's make an international language that all people can learn. Because let's face it, it's quite unfair that we're using English to communicate with everyone. I mean, yeah. you just happen to be born with English, but I had to learn it from scratch, right? Why are we using your language and not mine or, you know, it's a neutral best. one? <laughs> everyone should speak American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it really is an unfair advantage to yeah. native speakers. It, it is actually unfair. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's one of those things where now that it's happened, I think the world should just kind of settle on it and be like, okay, English is the international language. Yes, it's a bit unfair for Americans or Canadians or Brits, you know, to have grown up with it. Uh, but I think the idea of trying to force everyone to speak French, for example, is never going to no, happen. No, of course not. Like, yeah. it doesn't work like that. And it's also not the idea of Esperanto to force it up on people. But there is a nice community of people who just think that it is unfair. Let's let's all try to learn this very simple language, which people can normally learn in three months because it's so regular. And when I communicate with someone, I know that they have put the exact amount of effort into learning this language as I have. And um, yeah, it's... Um, that is kind of cool. Yeah. I, I do like that. Okay, so it's not nerdy, right? Um... <laughs> <laughs> let's not let's not elaborate on the topic then. <laughs> so i was actually thinking of what you had mentioned about five or more languages and i realized my mom actually speaks a bunch of languages but she's not a polyglot she just happened to grow up in taiwan where she spoke taiwanese because that was kind of just the local dialect but she also spoke mandarin because mm -hmm. that was the official language and then she started speaking cantonese because we moved to San Francisco and there's no one speaks Mandarin there. It's just all, for some reason, it's primarily people who speak Cantonese from Hong Kong. And the languages are so similar that it was very easy for her to, you know, switch over and learn. In fact, I can, you know, order food and say some basic things in Cantonese, even though I never learned it, just because, you know, I liked watching some gangster movies as kids and the, the, the words are similar enough where it's a different pronunciation. But I think the phrases are exactly the same because if someone... When, when someone reads a book or something or menu in Cantonese, it's exactly the same in Mandarin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's a very different experience with languages than I have, for example. So your mom is multilingual. Uh, I mean, you could call her a polyglot easily, but... No, <laughs> <laughs> no in, the, in the definition of, like, what, what is your approach to languages? I mean, she, she could probably not tell you how to learn la language. She probably doesn't really... She hasn't spent much time with it, thinking about it. It just kind of happened in her life that she was in multilingual environments. Yeah, and but to be fair, I think she's also really passionate about it. She just likes talking to people. So I think she just liked talking to Cantonese people. So oh, she cool. wanted to be able to communicate. Yeah. So in a sense, she's somehow following that formula... Where, you know, she's like, she finds a reason to learn it, a passion to, to continue practicing it. Oh, that's very important, yeah. And maybe her system was kind of just a made-up one. Like, let me translate things in Mandarin to Cantonese, you know, 
but regardless, you know, she she figured out some way to do it. Yeah. Well, if you if you learn languages in this way, in a very natural natural way, where you you are with people and you want to communicate with them, I don't think you really need a system for that. Like you are basically exposed so much, and you are so passionate that the system is not so important. But if someone wants to learn, like actively learn this language uh, to fluency, then I believe a system is really important. Yeah, I can see that. And actually, I was thinking it's very similar to learning, you know, e-commerce or programming or you know really any like business skill i remember when i first started learning how to drop ship or build an e-commerce store i had to be you know had to follow a system you know um or i would have been all over the place and i think even more now there's so much different information out there and like and you know some of them work better than others but if you combine them they will guarantee not work because if you take like a bit and piece from one bit and piece from another you'll probably just be confused yeah so you know, I was really lucky that when I started, there was just one system. You know, I was like, okay, AntonMethod.com. I'm gonna follow this. He has seven steps. I'm just gonna do these seven steps. That's uh, that's, that's cool. it. But the passion-wise, I think that also just came to play because even though I wasn't particularly excited about you know selling furniture online, it wasn't like, oh my god, I'm so excited to sell this furniture. What was really exciting was seeing the store be built, mm-hmm. and then when I when I would get a customer, knowing that was a real person ordering an item they wanted, and then you know me being an entrepreneur, me being finally being a business owner, fulfilling that order, you know, sending them the tracking number, you know, getting a review from yeah, them. Yeah, it's exciting. That was fun. Yeah, and I think that kept me going. So it really, I kind of fell into it where mm-hmm. I had both the system that worked but also the passion to keep doing it yeah and this is exactly what i do with languages i basically apply just what you said to languages so i get people excited about the system of learning like i I make them create their own plan and then get excited about the fact that they are keeping it every day and like on average these people in my courses spend like more than an hour a day learning the language and they're all busy and you know have stuff to do but they and they put it in a chart and they go like oh my god look how much i've done this week and i've listened to four hours of podcasts and, and they get excited about the 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 work itself right and then the results come and at the end of a, like a, let's say after two months they get excited about seeing the progress and that's I mean, if you if you can get into this, if you can fall in love with the process of learning the language, then you're you're basically bound to succeed. To succeed. Yeah, I I think it's a cool system, and I'm excited to learn my. I guess it's kind of I almost kind of consider it my first time really trying to learn a foreign language. I would say some people might consider me trying to learn Spanish, you know, kind of throughout the years, my first attempt. But I never really had a system. Right. You know, I had the passion for it. I was excited. You know, I would go to, you know, uh, language exchange talks. I was living in Grand Canaria for a few months. I would try to talk to the butcher, <laughs> but I didn't really have a system I was following. I would just like whenever you know, when, whenever I could, I would try to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. And even though I was able after a few months to memorize a couple of phrases and words and kind of get by, I never learned it in a proper way to fluency yeah no it's it's impossible like you would have to have a lot of exposure in that way without a system but yeah i think now you're more serious about learning russian yeah so guys one year from now you know i'm going to be introducing the travel like a boss podcast in rushki oh that's Watch. awesome <laughs> i'm excited about that no but I, I i think you can definitely succeed like based on your experience in so many other areas right like basically what you set out to do you you do so if you find the way um, i'm absolutely sure that you can learn russian well spasiba <laughs> <laughs> but now that i've said it i kind of have to do it i think that's actually my favorite thing about this podcast is i will randomly think up things I want to do uh-huh. and I feel accountable 
because yeah. I feel like there's thousands of people now that will be like, hey, Johnny, you know, like, you said you were going to do this. Right. You, you know, what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. I think this is a, a great way. Actually, also uh, encourage my uh, course participants to do that. Like, put it on Facebook, you know, tell tell people that you're really serious about this. Like, I'm, I'm really going to learn English now and feel free to ask me in half a year how I'm doing in English, you know, something like that. So, so to put you on the spot, <laughs> there's something that you had mentioned just before we started recording that you want to do your TED Talk in Swahili yes. in Kenya? Right. I, I like to I like to give myself a language mission or something. And I'm going to go to Kenya for a, about a month to practice my Swahili. I mean, this is something I usually do. I, I decide to learn a language, spend two years with it, and then use the language big time, like Russian and French, etc. And now I want to, yeah, I want to, um, yeah, just... Um, make myself uh, even more serious about about the whole Swahili project. So yeah, I'll find an audience and I'll try to deliver my Swahili talk to them. That is so crazy. When did you start learning Swahili? Uh, it was a year ago. Yeah. So from, okay, first off, it's such a random language to to pick up. It is, yeah, I know. But I so my the reason why I picked it up is um, I really wanted to learn a non-European language because all of my other eight languages are European and uh, people always go like yeah but it's European it's too easy right so I said okay I actually want to get to know the process of learning a language from scratch and I don't want the help of my other languages because if I if I learn Portuguese now like I already understand thirty percent because of Spanish and French right so I wanted a language where nothing helps me I'm like I'm just like any of my clients who are learning their first language and I and it's very interesting because I learned so much in the last year about learning languages I don't think I've ever even heard Swahili like how do you even say like hello my name is Lydia or something um habariako Nina this okay I'm under stress now okay Mimi ni Lydia it's what would be too too simple yeah Okay. I like it's, but I, I think they're going to be so surprised when you go there to Kenya and you can speak their local language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think they'll appreciate it. The problem with Kenya is that they, they use a lot of English. Um, so, um, yeah, they like they like to use English, but I hope they will not switch into English. If I insist, I want to speak Swahili. Oh, my God. Okay. I think the reason why I chose Russian is because, at least right now, while, you know, a lot of people over 30, 35 that grew up in the, under USSR don't speak any English, you know, and even though they're not in Russia, you know, they might be from, you know, countries around it, the former USSR, which turns out to be really big. I think in the US, we kind of grew up thinking the US is the biggest country in the world, when in fact, it's actually geographically a population pretty small compared to a lot of other places. Right. But there's a lot of places that are not very well traveled to yet where people don't, like either only speak Russian or they speak Russian and whatever their local language is. And I think that's going to really force me to immerse myself and not switch to English because that's so easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, th I think you'll love it. So Russian was my previous language, the last one I learned, and I, I did it for traveling purposes. I My project was to do the Trans-Siberian and only speak in Russian. And then I also traveled in Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan, and that was so cool. So how did that turn out? Were you able to speak only Russian on that trans Oh yeah, totally. I I I was I immersed myself so much in the language that I was basically I, I was dreaming in Russian. Like I I just switched off other languages and it was all Russian for me. Wow. Yeah. And how were so like like who did you meet on that train? Did did you talk to any locals? 
Yeah, I actually did not meet any any foreigners, <laughs> any travelers. I was a bit surprised. I thought this would be like the typical route, but actually they they use it a lot for um, just to just to travel uh, in the country to visit their family. And so there were a lot of families with children, and they were curious about someone, you know, speaking Russian, but with an accent, let's say. So that was very interesting to talk to them. I had a lot of nice conversations there. That's cool. I think for me, it would be even more funny because I don't look like I would speak Russian at all. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, the more you go to the uh, to the east, there are a lot of uh, Asians um, in in Asian part of Russia who are Russian native speakers. So I think you would not be they would not be so surprised. Actually. Oh, actually, you're right. Because I think some people spoke to me in Russian because they thought I was like Kazakh or something. Right. Yeah. 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 No, they they could. Yeah. You 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 could be. You could be so. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I can I can get away as a local and kind of just sneak in. Right. Yeah. That would be cool. I think that would be a nice project for you too. Right. To go and do the Trans Siberian in Russian. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm put that on my list. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Actually, I think the the Trans Siberian would be bad for me because if I do it, I'd probably do it on nomad train which is kind of like the digital nomad train ride through Trans-Siberian. i think it'll be fun to be able to just talk to locals and be be the translator i think that's what i want i want to be able to be the translator in the group mm -hmm. you know every time you travel with friends there's always one person that speaks a language way better than everyone else mm -hmm. and they end up doing all the talking yes but at the same time i actually would if you want to really use your language when traveling i would definitely recommend you go solo because that's when you talk to people so much more um, I mean, it's nice to translate for friends, but at the same time, the the fact that these friends are there, that that's a lot of uh, artificial communication yeah, I can there see that. in English. And right? you end up going back to English. I mean, yeah. that's probably the reason why I don't speak much Thai is because all my friends here are speak English. Exactly. And when I order food, I it ends up being a very short conversation. And then like, okay, how, you know, how are you doing? Oh, the food was delicious. Can I have some of this? Right. <laughs> kind of the bill. That's yeah, it. no, no, no. I always, when I, when I make it my language mission, like I had people asking me, oh, can I join you for the Trans-Siberian? And I was like, do you speak Russian? No. Well, no, sorry. Oh, wow, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to just use Russian. Like it's very important for me. That's smart though. I think that's smart to set your rules and follow your system. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I also think you connect so much easier when you travel solo. You connect easier to the locals uh, because you want to talk to someone you have not you have not just spent several hours talking to your friend in english yeah so. i agree i mean as much as i i love my buddy chris he is the reason well we are the reason why neither of us speak russian is <laughs> <laughs> because when we were in ukraine for like one or two months together we hung out every day we had every meal together and we would speak in english yeah so we never really had a big reason to go out and you know be fully immersed. Yeah. I, I remember there was this little shop, you know, right downstairs from, from where we lived, where we would go to buy water every day or maybe an ice cream or something. And there was this old, you know, lady working in there. We call her the babushka. Yeah. Know? So this old granny. And she was so nice. She would always want to talk to us, but she only spoke Russian because this mm -hmm. was in Kiev. And I would, you know, try to learn a few words. I'd be like, oh, you know, Dobi Dien, like, you know, good afternoon. And she gets so excited and she would start, you know, stop talking to me in Russian. I'm like, no, no, that's, that's the only word I know. Yeah. And I felt so bad because I saw her every day for a month and every day she tried to speak to me and every day I couldn't. Mm. And that was kind of what implanted in my, in my, my brain. I was like, I want to be able to just talk to her. And if anything, I mean, think about it. She's like a free language tutor because she wants to talk. Yeah. She speaks the language fluently. She's a native speaker. 
she has nothing to do all day. Right. <laughs> and if I was able to just communicate a little bit more and practice more, I would that would have been amazing. You know, yeah. spending one month talking to her every day. Yeah, but yes, but at the same time, okay. <laughs> um, it, if you just go for like polite phrases with someone as a shop assistant or something, it will not really get you very far in the language. What what you would need is an intense conversation for maybe an hour with yeah. someone and ideally someone who is interested in you or what you have to offer, right? Yeah, I can definitely see her talking my ear off for an hour a day. <laughs> okay, I see. <laughs> she was like, uh, she was bored, you know? Yeah, okay. So, but but yeah. then like, what about the topics? Like, so you would ask her, like, I think the more genuine the interest in the conversation is the better. So for example, I, I learned Spanish uh, so well because of Erasmus students. It's this exchange program in Europe for students. A lot of Spanish students came to Bratislava and I was their buddy. So mm-hmm. I, I was helping them. Like I picked them up at the airport and, and we traveled to uh, their dorm. And they had so many questions, like genuine questions that they asked me like, okay, so where do I get the transportation card? Right. And then it was up to me to explain it. And I said, just Spanish, please. And given that they needed this information, they were really patient. <laughs> right. And and I also like I think for the brain is really important. Like when you know that there is a real need for you to communicate, uh, I think your level goes like two levels. up. Yeah, you know? I, I can see that. Yeah. I can definitely see that. So I don't, I don't know how much you would want to communicate to the babushka, like to really, you know, tell her something that she really wants to know. She would probably be polite yeah, and say true. like, oh, where are you from? Okay, but like it doesn't really affect her life. That definitely makes sense. You know, I, I think the reason why I learned how to say things like, you know, no sugar or like no oil in Thai is because I was eating a really strict diet and I had to communicate right, that. Right, right. if I didn't, then I wouldn't be able to eat the food. Right. So that do- definitely makes sense. No, I, I've, I've had this experience so many times, like when you really need to communicate, suddenly you find yourself being able to communicate. It's like a breakthrough moment. And I love this about languages. Like when you get to, of course, you need to have learned something before it doesn't just happen because <laughs> of the need, like I need to speak Turkish. So it happens, yeah. but uh, it all kind of comes into place in your brain and, and you can use the language because it's about communication. I love it so much. Like I, you can get addicted to this feeling with languages. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. So that's exciting. Like, I mean... What actually got you into wanting to learn languages in the first place? Um, so by the time I was 18, I just spoke English and German, just like everyone in Slovakia, really. Which is really a lot, if you think about it, because you grew up speaking you know, two languages already, uh, Slovakian and Czech. Is that a language? Yeah, you, okay. c- you could say that, yeah. And then you, in school, they forced you to learn English. Yeah. Were you able to actually speak English or just like a lot of Europeans who or forced to learn it, just be able to read and no grammar. Yeah, no, it was my favorite subject at school. Okay. So I, I spent a lot of time at home learning English additionally. And so I became one of the best in class soon. And um, yeah, I, I was working hard on my English during my high school. So I was very good at English and German. So I decided to study these two languages. Why German? Uh, it's the it's the number two language you, you learn in Slovakia because we're so close to Austria and Germany. Uh, it's interesting work-wise. There are a lot of German companies. So most most Slovaks learn, like all of them learn English. And then we learn German or French or Spanish, but mostly German. It's like, it's a must, you know, it's a cultural heritage. That's crazy. I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, in, in the US, definitely every British person I've ever met, you know, Australians who can barely speak English. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> that's it. Like, yeah. there's no possible like no like possible chance of us speaking another language unless you know we 
grew up bilingual mm. or we just really wanted to yeah but the, that 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 comes from uh the need again you don't really need another language you travel everywhere you you have menu in english right my parents are afraid to travel because they don't speak any language and they are they would not handle an airport you know they don't know wow. they they don't know how to transfer at an airport so they will not travel and they so if you don't speak a language in slovakia you're very limited right i mean slovakia is in the middle of europe you go North, it's it's Polish. You go um, east, it's Ukrainian. Down, it's Hungarian. You don't understand anything. So you basically really have to learn a language to to do anything, right? Yeah, and it's not even that far, right? I think like yeah, it's like two the- hours <laughs> up, three hours right, two hours down. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, so I guess it's a, both a blessing and a curse to grow up in you know a landlocked country like Slovakia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you yeah, given that most people have to learn languages now and and I think they realize that they they should work on it and there are so many possibilities right now, I think it's great to have this motivation. But uh, at the same time, yeah, for the older generation, they did not really have a uh, language. They just had Russian at school. That was like the compulsory language you had to take. No English yeah. at all, you know. So do people in Slovakia still speak Russian? Uh, yes and no. The Well, no, I would say no, because the older generation, they will always say like, oh, I do speak Russian, but not really. Like they forgot everything because they didn't like the language. They were forced to learn a lot about the Soviet countries, etc. But the y- younger people start to learn language now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Alright, bosses, I wanted to quickly tell you more about the Nomad Summit and also the travel insurance I had mentioned earlier. So the reason why we chose Cancun, Mexico for the Nomad Summit this year is because even though we liked Vegas, we really want to take advantage of the fact that as location-independent entrepreneurs, as digital nomads, we can travel the world and go to better, cheaper, warmer places. And nearby Playa del Carmen is the Cancun Airport, where we're going to be hosting this year's Nomad Summit Conference right by the beach, and beautiful, we're gonna have tacos, tequilas, and if you stay the week after, we're all gonna head down to Playa del Carmen to co-work together, and who knows, go scuba diving, go snorkeling, and really enjoy our time. <clears throat> if you wanna know more, just go to nomadsummit.com, you can sign up, you can RSVP on our Facebook, you can buy pre-sale tickets right now on sale, and regardless if you're coming to the Nomad Summit, if you're already traveling or you're planning to travel somewhere else, I would highly recommend everybody get travel insurance, especially travel medical insurance. Safety Wing has created the world's first travel insurance really specifically to cover our lifestyle and our needs for long-term travel. Go to nomadsummit.com insurance to sign up and check them out. Yeah, I think this is really fun. I mean, this is a fun topic for digital nomads because we travel so much. And I think in general, most of us don't bother learning a language because we can get by in English and we hang out with so many other nomads and we all speak English. Right. But I think this is kind of the the next generation of nomads where, you know, I really believe that the next like stage is to stay in places longer, you know, instead of just bouncing around and saying, oh, you know, I want to check off as many countries as possible and say I've been to 50 countries. Yeah. You know, but you don't really see anything. You just kind of, you know, go around to really immersing ourselves, spending three months, six months, maybe even a year in, in each place, learning the local culture, learning the local language. I mean, how cool would that be if, you know, as nomads, instead of just, you know, moving around just to move around, we spent two years in each country, 
We learned the language to fluency,、mm. and then we moved on to the next country. Yeah, or if you want to travel a lot in different countries and still learn one language, then go to South America and Central America, right? It's、uh, always a new country, but you keep practicing your Spanish. And oh, yeah, that's true as well, right?、Yeah. I think Spanish. So if anyone asks me, like, what are the three most useful languages for travelers? Like when you where you can use it as much as possible, I would say English, obviously, and Spanish, and then Russian. Because you can cover with these three languages, you cover so many countries. Yeah, and so many cool places too. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'll say that. I mean, I, I mean, that's why I wanted to learn at least、like、some Spanish. It's because you know, not you know, not only Spain, but all of South America, all of Central America. You know, a lot of. I mean, even like downtown LA. <laughs> like I、yeah. remember being on a bus going from the beach to East LA, and. Nobody on the bus spoke English. It was crazy, and I was, you know, talking to this old grandma, and she was so happy that I spoke some Spanish. Yeah. And it, my Spanish is terrible, but for that hour, you know, we we're just like, ch- you know, chit chatting. She was telling me about her family. She was just bored, right? Yeah. But having just a little bit of the language, like, made that hour so much more enjoyable than me being on my phone or something. Exactly. No, the, if you if you get a few of these hours, like intensive, where. Again, you want to communicate with someone; they're happy to、uh, communicate and be patient and supportive. That can really change your level of the language so fast. It's incredible.、Yeah. This, this, like, it's it's really the speaking that that moves you forward in any language. Yeah, it's very important. I, I definitely agree, and I think immersing ourselves physically in that country is so helpful. It is, but at the same time, it's not necessary. So, my, for example, my system of learning languages, I always learned all my languages in Slovakia. And I, if I want to travel somewhere, I give myself at least a year before that to achieve a level where I can use the language already. Because the thing is, if you come to a country, let's say if I went to Kenya a year ago, I didn't speak any Swahili at all. Like everything you hear and see is new to you, so your brain is overloaded and you can't really process anything. But if you already are on a let's say lower intermediate intermediate level, then you hear this thing and you remember and use it in conversation and and you know it forever, right? So.、Mm. Yeah, that makes definitely、sense. makes sense as well.、Mm. I think I just like throwing myself into the fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Many people think like, "Oh, I want to learn、uh, Russian, so I'll just move to Ukraine or Russia right away." But honestly, that does not help you much. And I know so many people who move to the place, and like people expect that this language kind of like jumps on you or something. Like you just you just immerse yourself, and that's it. But no, it's it's really about the time you spend with the language in an effective way, and then practice it with locals. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. I mean, I think. There's always kind of like different systems as well. I think the what wouldn't work is if someone jumped into Russia for two months and was like, okay, you know, I'm gonna learn, I'm gonna be fluent in these two months because I'm immersed. But then if they're not following the system, they're not learning, then they're probably screwed, right? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I remember、so. I did that when I wanted to learn Spanish. I went to Guatemala because I had heard that you know they have a very neutral Spanish accent,、mm-hmm. you know, without too much slang, so I can use it worldwide. They had really cheap, you know, schools and tutors. And they even had a homestay program where I could stay with a local Guatemalan family,、oh, cool. and I was like, "This is easy. I'm gonna get this."、Mm-hmm. I remember the very first meal I had with them was the most awkward meal of my life. <laughs> could not I, say anything. I could、right? not say a word.、Yeah. I sat there with this whole family, smiling. smiling. They're really friendly, and they're like trying to talk to me in the most basic Spanish.、Mm. And I was, you know, eating my food, and I was so hungry, I was starving. But I didn't know how to say like, please pass another tortilla. Yeah, right. And I was. Oh, it's very frustrating. It was so frustrating that that very day, I think it was breakfast. That was breakfast. I went to my language tutor for lunch, and 
She wanted to teach me grammar, and I said no. Oh, very good. <laughs> teach me how to say. Can I have another tortilla? <laughs> yeah, you see, a real need. <laughs> yes, and it was a desperate need. And I remember just writing down a page worth of things I would use during dinner.、Uh -huh. And during dinner, I took out this piece of paper, and I was like, you know, like you know, uno mas tortilla por favor. Yeah, very good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So many people. Think that、um, so that first of all that they need a course or a teacher, right, or or a language school when they want to learn a language. And I think the real problem with this mentality is that they usually tick it off their list. Like, okay, this is what I have done for my language learning. Like, I have, I'm willing to pay the money and to come to the lessons, right? And now it's the teacher's turn to turn to teach me. But it just doesn't work like that, and I believe this is the reason why school, the school system, is is just not successful. I can see that, and I mean, it's not even just with language learning; it's in general. Exactly. Where twenty years ago, if your kid was failing school, you would go to the teacher and say, like, you know, what is my kid doing wrong? Now they would go to the school saying, what are you doing wrong? Exactly. Why are you a bad teacher? Exactly. I I don't really believe in teaching as such. You know, like with languages, I'm absolutely sure that you cannot teach anyone a language. It just doesn't work. Like as a teacher, you can help someone learn, but the initiative needs to come from the person. And and like all the people I know who have successfully learned languages, even if they were attending classes, they always did something extra. For example, they decided to read something in their free time. It's like, oh, that's an interesting article. Let me go through it, right? Or watch series, or like these natural activities. And they they are the real learning. You know, that's when the real learning happens. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And I think you know when I tell people, you know, like everyone I meet that. Wants to learn English. I just tell them like, hey, just like, I, and this it was funny that you had ended up saying the exact same thing, but I've been saying it for years. I was like, just watch series in English, put on the English subtitles, you know, and then just watch whatever you want. And、yeah. like, and because I see a direct correlation between countries that,、uh, you know, dub or even worse, use the、uh, well, the voiceover in their language. Yeah, that's so bad. I, I mean, mean, first off, it ruins the movie. And、yeah. this is actually why I learned a bit of Cantonese. I was watching this,、uh, these Cantonese gangster movies called Young and Dangerous.、Uh -huh. It's kind of like the Godfather of of Asia.、Uh -huh. And I had the choice to put it in、uh, Mandarin, which is what I understood, or I could put it in Cantonese, which was the you know original language, that original soundtrack. But I didn't understand it. And even then, as a kid, I was like, I don't want to see lips move and like. It just looks stupid.、Right. Let me put it in the original language, and I'll have English subtitles for whenever I can't figure、mm. it out.、Okay. And now, you know, I can kind of get by sometimes in Cantonese. I mean, mostly saying like, you know, I'll get in the van. I'm gonna kill you and your whole family. <laughs> yeah, useful <laughs> by the phrases. Way, bring me some dim sum. <laughs> But at least now I know if someone like is yelling at me. <laughs> right. Oh, that, yeah. That's that's so true. Th this is what I've experienced in several of my languages. So,、mm -hmm. but the important thing to note is you should not do this at the very beginning. It doesn't work like that. Like you, you just start watching like any language and you'll you'll learn it, right? But if you have some basics and you know, let's say the five hundred most frequent words、mm -hmm. or one thousand words, then you can start watching. And and with this、uh, exposure, repeated exposure, the words will repeat themselves so often you will understand them. Do you think that it was easier because the words of Mandarin and Cantonese were so similar that I was, even though I didn't study Cantonese,、yeah. I was like. Oh, he's saying this. 
because yeah. and you know so i was already familiar with the grammar structure the words and the meanings it was just different pronunciation absolutely because these two languages are related the same happens if i watch any slavic language like polish russian i mean before i spoke them mm-hmm. before i learned them so yeah that that helps for sure if you do it with a completely different language you need to learn a little bit more before that okay so for everyone who's excited to download a uh, young and dangerous if you don't speak any chinese you're probably screwed <laughs> you probably have to go from scratch yeah no uh, you need you need some practice before that But I guess that's also a hack. If somebody just wants to learn as many languages as possible, is instead of learning them from scratch, like picking up Swahili, just pick up a language that is kind of similar to what you already know. And that way, you know, you're already 30% there. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's say... Uh, Italian, French, Spanish, you know, the, these languages, if you if you speak one of them, um, to learn another one is very easy. Yeah, so I that, that. that helps a lot. Yeah. Portuguese to Spanish, maybe. Exactly, yeah. But then it's very important to know, like, pick your language carefully, because don't just pick a language to, to learn a language. I, I think the, the intrinsic motivation needs to be there. And uh, I can see that with myself, to be honest, like with Swahili, uh, it was a decision based on like, it would like, I want to have that experience, but I don't have a very strong connection to the Swahili culture, to Africa, Kenya. Maybe I will get it when I travel there, but it, it's a very different experience than uh, when I was learning, well, let's say Spanish, because I was so passionate. I really, really wanted to learn it. And that just went so fast. Yeah, I can see that. Have you seen Black Panther yet? No. <laughs> you have to watch it. I think that's going to be the, that connection that you need. <laughs> okay, okay. I will. And so, like, I'm, it's really exciting about all the languages. I think this is really good for nomads in general. But I think people also want to know, how are you able to kind of run your business while traveling? Do, you know, do you have employees? Do you have remote workers? Like, how does that work? Yeah, I, I have a team currently of six people. Uh, they are not my employees. They're freelancers. And the interesting thing is they're all my my previous clients, like the, the best of my clients who always reached out to me wanting to help somehow share this idea because they, it helped them. And they, they said like, I love this. How can I help? So they all started working for free and, and now they're, they're my paid coworkers and we're all, um, location independent. We're in different places in Slovakia. And, uh, yeah, so we, we have the business in Slovakia and another one in English, like basically two different websites with different products. They're basically the same product, but in different languages. And, uh, yeah, and we, and we run it all online. It's, um, it's working out very nice. <laughs> That's very cool. And so it started as a product in Slovakian. Exactly. And then you translated it. Or did you have to refilm everything into English, or how did that work? Yeah, totally. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't just put on subtitles or something. <laughs> this is. This would be really unfair. <laughs> I. I wouldn't like to watch a product like that. So yeah, I, I read it all the videos, and I basically started offline. So my first products were live seminars. I found. I found this is a really easy way to start for anyone because first of all, you see if there's even interest in your product, because I. I didn't know if people will be willing to learn by themselves if I tell them how to do it. But I organized a few um, seminars. I published it in like co-working websites and, and people got really interested. So that gave me a very valuable feedback. And then the feedback I got in those lessons themselves, like in the seminars, because people were asking questions and I was like, oh, you're interested in that. Okay, let me uh, let me create another module in my video course about this topic because you're clearly interested. So that was very, very, very useful. And so I, I basically recorded this on video when I was doing my 10th seminar. It was the best version of my seminars. And um, I knew that I will be happy with this for some time because I think if you record your first video course right away, then one year later you go like, I'm not sure I want to sell this any yeah. longer. 
So I think this was a good way to, good thing to do too. I think that's really smart. I think that's what stand-up comedians do as well, where mm -hmm. they'll have their set and they'll practice it first in a small, you know, unknown city, right? Right. Just like where they don't really care if they bomb. Yeah. And then as they get better, they just revise it. They see what people laugh at. And then they work into bigger and bigger markets, you know. They start in like, you know, I don't know, some little town somewhere in the middle of the U.S. And then they slowly move to like Tallahassee. And then like, you know, they work their way up to L.A. and New York and like kind yeah. of bigger places. And once they kind of mastered it after a year, they film their comedy special, mm -hmm. which then is their version of the online course. That goes online. And then they're like, okay, it's done. Right. Yeah. But the important thing to note here is you, you need to find kind of a balance like you cannot keep improving forever mm -hmm. uh, because you know you don't want to be a perfectionist and I remember my business mentor telling me at the very beginning he asked me in April so when do you want to have your video your online product your video course I said mm, October November he's like what come on like you can do it so much faster you could mm -hmm. be selling already like m much more than just 20 spots in my live seminar but I said no you know I want to go through this process and improve 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 and then I want to put it there and I think at that time he didn't know me very well then so he thought uh, maybe she's this perfectionist that wants to go, go on improving forever. She will never do it, mm. right? So it's important to have a deadline. I That's guess. smart as well. And I think having, instead of having like a month deadline, like, you know, one year, two years or three months, having, I'm going to do five or 10 live events. Exactly. Because, you know, you can do that in 10 weeks and then it could be really good yep. or it can take you 10 months and, you know, it'd be similar, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's really smart. I think not enough people take advantage of this. So I want everyone to think about your business, your expertise, your skill. And if it's good enough for people to spend an hour or two to watch for free, mm -hmm. you know, at least there's that interest. Exactly. If it's good enough for people to come for free, start charging a small amount of money. Mm -hmm. you know, and then if it's good enough for people to pay a small amount of money, you know, charge more. And then just kind of keep going up until you see, okay... I, this this is a product or, or service or topic that people really enjoy. They're getting value from. They're willing to pay for it. I'm getting all that feedback. You know, as you mentioned, is so important because that ends up being the course. You know, the course isn't what you want to teach them. It's what people get stuck at, what people learn. You know, and you know, while you're kind of pushing them along into the structure. Exactly. And then once it's good, you know, good enough, right? You know, ninety five percent perfect. Right. Then you film it. And that's so smart to film the live audience because then instead of it being just a boring thing that, you know, we're just talking in front of a webcam, right. you know, which can also work if you, you know, really keep it exciting and engaging. But naturally, when you have a room full of people and you're recording, it's naturally going to be engaging. You're naturally yeah. going to have the social proof. You're going to have testimonials. It just makes your life so much easier. Exactly. Yeah. But at the very beginning, I, w I wouldn't really recommend people to do free uh, events. Yeah. I did it once and I, I realized that you need to qualify your audience a little bit. But some of the people came because they had nothing to do. It's like, what's going on? Okay, let me see. Languages? Yeah, fine. But they were not interested. But if you put like a small price, like three euros or something, uh, then people who are interested, if they're willing to pay a little bit, then they are the people you want to talk to. I can I can definitely see that 100%. You know, And it's sad because I want things to be free and attainable for everyone, right? I think that's kind of the ideal. Yeah. I started the Nomad Coffee Club here in Chiang Mai, and I actually helped one start one in Grand Canary as well, where the idea is free weekly events with short talks. And people love it. People, A lot of people go. You know, we have like 50 people a week going. Mm -hmm. But you're right. You know, people are there just to socialize. Mm -hmm. They're there, you know, because it's free. And they're not that interested in the topic sometimes. And even when they are... 
you know, there's someone else, you know, talking on their phone. So it's kind of distracting. Yeah. Versus I went to an event that was just $3. It was a hundred baht. It was the one you, uh, you invited me to uh-huh. about um, video testimonials. And I realized everyone there was, you know, more serious. Right. They were paying attention. They were taking notes. And just that $3 charge completely changes the audience, mm-hmm. you know. And this is why the audience of the Nomad Summit is so good because they're paying hundreds of dollars to be there. They are there and they're seriously listening. Yeah. You know, nobody's on their phone. Nobody's talking, you know, to each other during the, right. the, the, the talk versus if someone watches the same talk on YouTube two months later for free, you know, and we publish on, on YouTube because we want people to be able to, to watch it from anywhere. But I guarantee if you're watching at home on YouTube, you're not going to pay as much attention as if you were there in person. Absolutely. And also from the speaker perspective, I think there's nothing worse than talking to an audience that is disengaged and not interested. It's so frustrating. Yeah, I don't want to ever do it. So, uh, for example, they so they invite me often in Slovakia to talk to, let's say, children. You know, please come and motivate children to learn languages. Well, I don't do it anymore because it's so frustrating. The kids are like, yeah, can we go home yet? You know, like, oh, is it going to be one more hour? Oh, you know, you don't want to talk to people like that. You want to talk to people who say like, okay, I'm willing to pay at least a little bit to yeah. listen to you because I'm interested. That's crazy. Yeah. And like, it's, I mean... If they give the kids an option, you can either play for an hour for you know for free, or you can use your twenty five cents or your lunch money to watch this talk. <laughs> I mean, you, you probably can't ask kids to do that. No, not with kids. <laughs> yeah, but if you did, I guarantee you know it would be a much more engaged audience, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Wow. that's cool. So, um, what are your kind of future travel and business plans? Yeah, uh, so now my nomad lifestyle has begun, right? So I'm excited about that. I I don't know where I will be working from this year. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm planning to do the, the Kenya trip for sure. That's like one month in Kenya mm-hmm. for language purposes. Nice. What month? Uh, August probably. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, before that, I'm doing the Nomad Cruise. Yeah. Uh, I'll be on there as well. Yeah. yeah. So that, that'll be cool too. I'll be working from Lisbon. Then I decided to take my team because they got jealous of me being in Thailand. So I said, okay, girls, let's go. Let's go somewhere together. Let's do co-working. So we're, we bought tickets to Corfu in, uh, in uh, Greece. And we'll just go work for one week at least from there. Okay, that's, that's really exciting. cool. Yeah. I think that's good too that you meet up your team um, on these kind of like getaways. Yeah, oh yeah, that's so important. Like we do these events in Slovakia, and and we connect so well as a team. It's really it's really important to to me and and to us. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I actually just met up with my Nomad Summit team yesterday at a coffee shop here in Chiang Mai because we're all leaving soon, and it was so nice just sitting there in person talking versus over Slack, you know, oh, or yeah. online. Such a difference. And it was actually the first time that the whole team was together in one place, you know, because we have a couple, we have a couple of new people. And same as you, we only hired people who were previous attendees. So yeah. this year we have Heather, who was an attendee in, you know, in the audience uh, at this year's Nomad Summit. And now she's doing our content. So mm-hmm. if you follow Nomad mm-hmm. Summit on Instagram, or on Facebook or anywhere, and you see these posts, it's all her. And you can tell she's excited about it. She knows the audience. Yeah. She's passionate about it. Exactly. It's so important, right? I also find it important to connect to my clients in this way. So even though I my all my products are online now, I like to do um, live meetups with my clients here and there. Mm-hmm. I did a Christmas party for them. And, and we have such a different type of relationship then. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's very important to me. I love it. So if you guys want to hang out with us in person, you can come to the Nomad Cruise. Uh, it's April 6th to the 12th. starts in Grand Canary. goes to Lisbon. If you use the coupon code Nomad Summit, you can get 50 euros off, which is a bit more than $50. Right? I used it. Thank you very much for <laughs> the coupon. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, also, uh, hopefully we'll see all of you at the next Nomad Summit. That's just been announced in Cancun, Mexico in October. And then again 
in Chiang Mai next January, probably end of January. We're thinking maybe even February 1st. Right. We haven't decided yet, but that's going to be 2020, so quite a bit from now. But subscribe at nomadsummit.com for the email list, and you can get first access to pre-sale tickets, discounts, and you can see Lydia's talk as soon as it's released. We'll send it out on our email list. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about these events, so I'm going to go. I already have my ticket for Cancun, as you know. Awesome. And I, I think I'll be in Chiang Mai in the winter, so I'll come to that one. I really, like, I really, really love your event. I think, and I've, I'm, I'm saying this as a person who has attended many conferences, organized and been a speaker, uh, this was one of the best, if not the best event I've been to, like, from organization point of view and the quality you get in exchange for the money. You, I mean, it's just amazing, really. Thank you so much for that. And this is from a TED speaker, so <laughs> shout out. <laughs> no, yeah, seriously, seriously. It was so well well run. And I learned so much from you, uh, even like because I organized an event for polyglots in Slovakia, or I used to. And I realized that we were doing so many things inefficiently. And when I look at you, like you're so at ease and everything's working perfectly. And, and you put a lot of effort, uh, a lot of focus on people socializing this is what people really want right so you get you give it 20 percent of effort and you get 80 percent of of value and that's just amazing so yeah i got a lot of inspiration thank you i appreciate that yeah it's our sixth year or sixth event now doing nomad summit so we've learned a lot kind of along the way and every year we try to make it better and better so i'm excited to see you and all of you listeners in cancun mexico if you guys want to learn or brush up on your Spanish before then, you can check out Lydia's courses at languagementoring.com. You have two courses, right? Yes. Or three um, now with a Slovakian one. Yeah, <laughs> so I have two Slovak courses, but probably not that interesting <laughs> for your audience. Um, yeah, I have a course for complete beginners and then people who want to achieve fluency and they already have basics in the language. Okay, cool. So if you're just starting out, the course is the language key that's right yeah which i actually just signed up for i just started watching the videos last night cool. so i can improve my russian and then your language master course yeah, is the one where you already know some basics but you want to speak fluently yeah and if people want to be like really hold accountable then we have the autodidacts academy and that's like the flagship course of language mentoring where we really work with a group of 50 people and we make sure that they create a plan they keep the plan and everybody achieves amazing results because if you don't tell us what you what you have done this week, we will write to you. It's like, what's oh, wow. going on, you know? And if you are stuck, we will help you figure it out. So, yeah. That's cool. That's almost like fun. a language mastermind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's called Audiodidacts? Uh, autodidact, that's another word, like polyglot and autodidact. I know it, they're, they're English words, but just not known by many English native yeah, speakers. Yeah, I've never heard of it. What yeah, does it mean? So it's a, would you understand the word self-learner? Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, it's... Um, it's it's self-learner. It's, it's a person who teaches themselves. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. All right, so if you guys want to have a conversation with me in Ruski, Russian, or in Espanol, get on that. And uh, Lydia, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been, Thank it's you. been fun. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Okay, adios, amigos, hasta luego in Cancun, Mexico, and maybe again in uh, Ukraine or something. <laughs> Can't say that yet, but next year. See you guys. Kusoma lugha ni muhimu sana na niakutia nina furahi sana kuzungumza na wakenya mwezi wa agosti. Se vi volas lerni novan lingvon kaj ne volas pasi longan tempon mi vere rekomendas esperanton. J'adore apprendre de langues, mais c'est encore mieux de les utiliser en voyageant. Viele glauben, dass Deutsch eine schwierige Sprache ist zum Lernen, aber eigentlich geht das, wenn man dabei Spaß hat, natürlich. 
Bardzo polecam nauczyć się języka polskiego i podróżować w Polsce. Moje ulubione miasta są Kraków, Wrocław i Poznań. El español es una de las lenguas más útiles para viajeros y además una de las lenguas más bonitas del mundo. K sažaleniu, ruský je z ním množka trudný, no nadejú si to, Johnny, spraviť sa i čeres god pabel tajem na ruskom. Ak počúvajú nejakí Slováci, tak srdečne pozdravujem a dúfam, že sa uvidíme na nejakom nomad samite. Majte sa! Wow, that was amazing. Thank you. How many languages was that? Um, eight, I think. Oh my God, amazing. <laughs> yeah. All right, if you guys enjoyed this week's episode, make sure you share it with your friends, take a screenshot, post on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you hang out. And if you really like the show and you want more people to be able to find it, go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It helps people find the show and it really you know, helps kind of boost us in the rankings. So go to iTunes. I know it's kind of a pain in the butt, but use the app and leave us a five-star review. Travel Like a Boss podcast. See you next week. Ciao. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.